his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Well, good afternoon. Oh, it's already been a confusing day, and we haven't done anything yet, but we shall now. We were going to start with rants. We're going to do that at 4 o'clock. Instead, joining us right now, George Colley from G. Colley. Dot com. We're going to George now instead because we have a lot to talk about. There's so much going on in the world, and he's the guy we uh, can talk about big things with in unique ways. So that's why George is joining us. So, George, thanks for being here. Great to be on with you, Todd. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. What's going on at gcauley.com? What have you been doing? You know, we've, I've been trying to build up. I think I had announced the last time I talked with you that I was building up this uh, news aggregate site. The G list, which is, was kind of the next, the next chapter mm-hmm. here in, uh, in this company. And so, been working on that. You know, uh, you know, tagline is Connecticut's newest local, state, and national news aggregate site. And, you know, putting up a lot of the headlines of the day, maybe putting my own headline on them, depending on what the news is, uh, maybe a little bit different than what, uh, you may see from, uh, from any of the news organizations and mm-hmm. trying to, uh, you know, look at what radio's doing, look at what maybe some smaller town newspapers or bloggers are doing. And uh, just kind of put together a whole, uh, almost broken down by congressional district or by race, uh, campaign or election race, um, and uh, and it's going pretty good so far. You know, starting to build that up and, and starting to to get some more viewers, and and so I uh, I can't complain. I find that what I feel is needed most right now is somebody providing perspective a way to view things different i feel like everybody's so brainwashed by the sameness of things that the media is allowing itself to be manipulated into offering a single message and a singular message and it fills up all of the airwaves with this same thing and that wouldn't be so bad if there was still room for other things but they take up every bit of oxygen so that other interpretations or other focuses, for example, the uh, the Democrats propagandize that guns are only about that the shooting problem is only about the availability of guns, mm-hmm. as if there aren't lots of other issues to tackle, and there's no room for those discussions to take place because they have such a symbiotic relationship with the media. 
You know, I've been thinking about this a lot as to, as I put my shows together each day. I, I, I do the shows for about 20 minutes to a half hour because to expect people to give me, you know, this is kind of on top of their television news viewing, on top of their newspaper reading, on top of listening uh, to you in the afternoons, you know, how much time can I, can I expect them to get? So I'm about a half hour a day. So I try to find that one or two issues a day that I can kind of hone in on. So I've been thinking a lot about this, about this kind of group speak that you see with the media. And it's something I thought about back to when I was in Washington covering the, the Trump administration in 2017, where it seemed like every journalist, everybody in news was, it was like the same marching orders each day. But I can tell you, nobody ever called me up and said, this is, you know, this is what we're all going to talk about today. And so it's really how that, that echo chamber is formed. And seeing it here on a smaller level in Connecticut, I think a big part of it is, and, and this is going to be a little different direction maybe than you expect me to go, but when you look at the consolidation, what's happening with newspapers, mm-hmm. often you may only find one reporter who writes a story for one site. And then because, you know, the papers are, are, are short on staff, you may see 10 different organizations all take that one story with that same headline from that same person. How does that so even the- happen? Like, well, I mean, yeah. normally when newspapers are taking other people's work, it's because it's syndicated work. But somebody who's writing for a particular newspaper, it, their material isn't normally available for other newspapers to grab. Well, and to be more specific, I mean, you see it here in Connecticut where you have like a nonprofit um, uh, media sites, like a, like a, like a CT Mirror or a CT News Junkie, yep. um, where the Hartford Current will take Mark Paziokis or Dave Altamari, who had worked for the Current as well in the past. You know, so they have that, that relationship. They know the reporter. They, 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 they know them. Um, and so, you know, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing necessarily. Well, it's, it's not as good as content. having two different guys or three exactly. different guys writing their exactly. own stories. Exactly. And I said this to you going back to when I was co-hosting on TIC. Um, you know, it, it's almost this press release reporting. You know, the idea of the government sends out a press release and everybody just kind of takes word for word straight from that press release. I mean, if you want to Google anything, just play around and see Connecticut media, how many times they use the word milestone or historic or, uh, you know, first of oh, its kind. When they're it's addicted about to historic. Cuts. It's not even true. But if you actually read the governor's press releases, that's what they put out. Historic yes. tax cut, you know, uh, historic gun bill, historic this, historic that. And, and you've just got, I think, this kind of it, it ends up just you've got so much going on with so much fewer people that it just gets into this lazy habit of, of, of just kind of putting in what the government puts out. And I'll go even one step further is, and I've talked about this with you before, mm-hmm. and, you know, every time you hear Susan Beisowitz talk, she talks, she thanks her media partners. I want to thank the media partners for being here, the media partners. And it drives me crazy. What the heck is the government and media partnering up with? They're not disclosing it. And so as you've gone through it, you've seen that there have been partnerships with DPH or, or with the governor's office in terms of getting out vaccine information and COVID information. So it appears that the government and some of the and a lot of the media, using a lot of federal money, have formed these partnerships for COVID. The problem is, is that when you form that partnership for COVID, all of a sudden, are you not asking the same questions? Are you not being a skeptical when it comes to state budget or it comes to gun legislation or it comes to abortion legislation or anything else? It seems like that partnership under the pandemic, all of a sudden it's kind of weeded into everything else that the government does. And so it's, you know, oh, you know, don't, we're partnered with them. Don't, you know, maybe they don't want to cause a problem. Maybe they don't want to get yelled at by Max or, you know, back in the day, Josh Jabal. 
but it's gotten to a point now where I think the media needs to start disclosing the partnerships. We need to make sure those partnerships stick to what the partnerships are. Well, do you think there is actually any substance to the partnership, or if it's just a, a uh, something that was pushed by the the Lamont administration in order to kind of rub it into the faces of the media that guess what? The only source of information you have once we declare emergency powers is us because we, we are it. Of course, this was at a time for months where people couldn't leave their basements. It's hard to report when you're not leaving your basement. Um, you know, so it was, yes, but what's the the nature of the reporting anyway, you call up uh, the communications office and you get what they have. And it's uh, and it may just be a heck of a lot easier to write. We'll we'll, we'll send you a release, right? And that's the answer. Yeah. What's your question? Yeah. We'll send you a release with the information, and all of a sudden everybody gets the same release with with with, with the same quotes. Oh, it's so and scary it, and so devoid it, of imagination and any sense of caring about what the mission of of journalism is. You know, it just it's and I and maybe you know maybe we're just built a little bit differently here, Todd. You know what I mean? But the idea is that's the way that I looked at it too. That you need to be skeptical of everything. Whether it's the Obama administration, the Trump administration, the Biden administration, the Lamont administration, or the DeSantis administration. The idea is if government is putting something out, you find out if it's true. If it's not true, you call them out. And I think we're seeing this pattern. And I know that you have been on, over the last few days, the situation in New Haven. Uh, Also, you had the situation in Uvalde, where it just seems like government can make up whatever they want, and they don't really get challenged until until they get flat-out caught red-handed that they were lying. Then they kind of make up something else for a while until they get caught. But if you and, look at Uvalde, Uvalde, they did it all themselves. Yeah. Well, they and, and didn't I, even have a chance to get cha- They just started lying right off the bat, and the reporters could smell the rat right away and started asking questions. And they, the, the officials went into panic, and they were, I guess, already at each other's throats, and this just brought it to everyone's attention. And could you imagine if, if, if reporters here in Connecticut jumped down Ned Lamont's throat when they lied about, you know, when, when he was going on for two weeks about digital vaccine passports or when he was, you know, when they were talking about test kit pictures and, and stuck on the runway or, or PPE stuck on the tarmac. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, all these things. And, I, and we've talked about this in the past for other stuff, semaphore, where they just made stuff up. You know, some of the stuff with Costa Diamantis. You know, I mean, they keep kind of saying that Costa got fired because the government answer is still that Costa got fired because of his daughter getting hired. Well, it certainly seems like Costa left that job because the Lamont administration knew there were federal federal subpoenas coming down the road. And so the idea is that when other people in government, whether it's a police chief or whether it's a uh, agency commissioner, when they see the top, you know, the, 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 the head of the fish and they're not being honest, then you know what? What? Why? Why should you be honest? I mean, you know, try to try to try to see if the news if the if the news cycle gets you through a day and they move on to another story. Yes, and I think the Lamont administration has become quite confident in the fact that they can uh, move about town with phony cover stories protecting them just fine, without uh, without any concern, and and that it, and they yeah. depend on that on a daily basis and and behave as if they know it to be the case. Well, if you've listened to, you know, interviews that Bob Stefanowski has done with you or he's done with other media outlets, I think of one specifically that he did with New Haven Independent and Paul Bass. And Paul Bass is a pro down in New Haven. That's about as strong a local news organization as you're going to find what he's doing with the New Haven Independent down there. And you listen to that interview that he had with Paul or he has with you where Bob goes, get, you know, is, is forced to give details, to give specifics, you know, not to speak generally. And he does. He has the stats. He, has the, he, he knows it this time around. 
It's, you know, Ned Lamont never has to give that. Ned Lamont can't rattle off specifics on anything. Right. And, and it's almost like they know that he can't. And so it's like, oh, let's not make it uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, so let's you know, protect it, him in advance. Yeah, I mean, let's just put the headline up there about Ned Lasso, uh, you know, instead, or Ted Lasso, whatever he wants to do today, um, or pizza, or whatever the heck else, you know, he may be tweeting about pot and, and country songs. Um, All right, uh, know, hang on one sec, George. We have to get a break in. George Colley is here, gcauley.com. Stay with us. It's WTIC. something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. So I want to push us. We're talking to George Cauley. GCauley.com is his website. And we, we're talking about media, I think, because we're both inclined that way because George is working at, at, at launching his alternative media site. And it's hard, I think, if you if you're immersed in Connecticut and don't don't have a second home somewhere else or get out of town much to th- to think that it's normal to have so little news reporting as there as there is here but it's it's really a hardship for having good politics it's really tough to get good government if there's nobody holding them responsible and that's the job of of the media so i i do think that's a glaring missing piece in in the infrastructure of Connecticut political life. George. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I heard you there, Todd. Uh, yes. I mean, I, I think, and, and here's one thing I want to say, because a lot of times we'll come on and we'll say the whole media. There's some great media in the state. I mean, we could go down a list and I, I won't, but I mean, there's some, there's some really strong reporters in this state. Um, the key is it just seems to be, you know, it, it, it seems to be that even they are, don't seem to be able to run free, you know, and it's, um, and of course you can never run free in a newsroom. Right? Well, they're hampered by the economic constraints and, you know, yeah. there's, there's so many limitations now. So everybody's got to work within their organizations. And yes, there's always good people inside yeah. the things that we're criticizing in talk radio. And the sure. trouble is what happens to the system that makes it so the good people can't uh, be the ones who create the overall sense of what the product is or, or the overall quality of the product there are there are still some good people in the news business there are some good young people in the news business but there it's tough to overcome some of the structural disabilities you know and i i had this conversation uh with someone else the I think part of it, too, is the way that some of the newsrooms are structured right now. And this is what a lot of people may not understand. A lot of people get their news off the social media headlines. You may watch the news at 6. You may watch it at 10 or 11. You may read the newspaper in the morning. But the idea is by the time you first see it nowadays, it may very well be on Twitter or on Facebook, and it's in a headline. And so when I would go out and do stories investigative-wise, I mean, you'd work on it for months. You'd have lawyers checking it. I mean, you'd be going back and forth. You'd have to get more sources. You'd have to get more quotes. I mean, whatever it may be. And then, you know, it all gets written up and it gets, you know, the legal team looks over it and it gets sent out. That would be like like, the investigative work I would do, say, with NBC Connecticut. Then, and and this isn't critical of NBC or anything in general, but, but then the story gets pushed out on social media. The digital teams are often the youngest and least experienced people in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. It's people straight out of college, and they're working their way up. They're writing stories. They're doing a great job, but they just may not necessarily have the experience of understanding 
how important the, the accuracy in the headline, how important just one or two words or lines could make a whole difference in a story. Um, and if they have a little bit of an activist streak to begin with, you know, that maybe they're, they're not quite at the point where they can control the bias in, in their media. It, 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 that's where the problems seem to be. The problems that I would have at places they had would often be with how a story was tweeted or what the headline was. Because it may not have really had anything to do with what the actual story was, or it may have just been wrong. They mischaracterize so it's it, in, the, the intent of the story. Yes, and if you've got somebody that's got to write 100 headlines in a day for an entire website, and they're 22 years old, and they've been doing it for <laughs> six months, you know what I mean? Like The idea is that's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, in a, a nighttime crew, the bosses aren't there a lot of times, so they're on their own. And so, you know, I think that that's a, a, another part here where it's, it's, and it's almost an excuse for the for, for media, but where news organizations may have to get better is really having those digital teams understand and work with the reporters so it's not clickbait headlines. Yeah, so there just aren't just enough people, people, though. Yeah. There's it, not that, enough people it, it, for it, anything. It, All right, let me play you this uh, sure. piece of this Ezra Klein stuff that we listened to yeah. before because I, I want you to um, be able to react to it for people and... Now I'm not sure which one I played you. Is I think the same? most significant change right now is that the Republican Party speaks. Oh, no, that's a, that's a different one. All right, here's the one I played I think it you. is a mistake yeah. the girls make that they see a problem and they're like, we should pass a bill. And then if the bill passes, people think the problem is solved, but it isn't. You know, the stimulus of 09, it was supposed to build a high-speed rail, electronic health records, and a smart grid where it's marquee projects. We don't have high-speed rail, we don't have a strong national system of electronic health records, and we don't have a great smart grid. So there's a real problem here. I think one thing that opens the door for populist outsiders and demagogues and, and just the right more generally is when liberalism just kind of fails. It fails to deliver. Like, California is a hotbed of Democratic talent. But I think it's going to be very hard for, you know, executives from California to run nationally because California has become unaffordable for people. And particularly in the major cities, like you really have to explain away, like how come you have this huge homelessness problem? How come you have this huge housing problem? So th there is a, a little context on maybe what we're dealing with right now in terms of government and where it's at. React to that, George. You know, I think that, and this is all government. I don't want to say it's just Democrats, but it certainly seems to be. In Connecticut, it's basically a Democrat. You know, Democrats are running everything, so it's very apparent. Well, here. plus Ezra but, Klein, I should say, is a Democrat, a liberal, liberal oh, yeah, who, no, who very, writes for the New York Times, and he's criticizing Democrats here. He's saying Democrats aren't able to administer the governments they control in such a way that their policies actually go into effect. I, I think it's when you have a reactionary government, this is the type of stuff it is. You know, if they're reacting all the time and they want to tell you how they saved the day, and it doesn't matter what, they, what, what actually happens after that. Look at these gun laws. And you hear this over and over, and at some point at now, because we've heard it for 10 years in Connecticut, is that your, your eyes may roll in the back of your head. But if you actually just hold people into account for the laws that we have, if you, if you, if you enforce the laws we have, a lot of these problems that are out there would go away. The problem you have now is that you have politicians and activists and everybody trying to, to, to loosen all these laws. You know, I mean, in New York City, I think you can shoot somebody. If you don't kill them, it's not a felony I mean, or something like that with the DA. I mean, it's like, an, it's like insane how, how loose the laws have gotten. Um, you know, you, you look at, 
you know, housing. You know, you've got uh, basically the a socialist mayor in de Blasio. Now you've got a socialist mayor in Eric Adams. They're supposed to be for the people. And you, they just have like the biggest rent increase in the city's history in, in rent stabilized apartments. I mean, it, the idea is it, 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 it seems to be all reactionary, and then they can get on to 10 more things before you realize that what they just put in place and they're taking credit for doesn't mean anything. It didn't do anything. But, but that's been happening forever. I mean, I think when they built the casinos, all the casino money was supposed to go into, like, education for the yeah, state. Sure. How long before it all went into the general fund? And so it's, it, it just is, you know, politicians just say whatever it is they want to say. It's up to us to then hold it accountable. Um, right, and, but and, it, back to what we were saying before, a critical yeah. piece of that wheel is is that the information is coming back around. So when politicians <laughs> say they are passing a certain law because A, B, and C are going to happen, and A, B, and C don't happen, that used to become an expose in the newspaper yeah. and be all over TV, and it, we don't have that ability anymore. We so more uh, laws. <laughs> they we, need to put more laws in place. Well, they do, they and, and Ezra's point, we'll play the other part of the cut when we continue, yeah. but Ezra's point is that, that the laws simply don't have efficacy anymore, that the, the Democrats have created too much regulation for themselves to be able to govern. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We'll continue with George Colley coming up on WTIC. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Happy to be talking with George Colley again. C-O-L-L-I, George Colley, gcauley.com. George, thanks for being here. I wanted to play you the rest of this Ezra Klein cut. So once again, Ezra is a liberal Democrat, writes for the New York Times, does a podcast for them, and he talks in this cut about the failure of government as run by Democrats. The Democrats have so regulated themselves into a corner that even the things they want to try that they want to do, that they think are essential to do. They can pass a law 
that says that's going to happen. And the money gets appropriated, but the thing never happens. And I think this is at the root of a lot of our frustration, that people understand that we don't really have the government that that we're told we have and the, and the one we grew up believing and being taught to believe that we had, that we do have elections and we do have people representing our interests, supposedly, but nevertheless, our interests never seem to be served by the system. And I think, in part, what Ezra is doing here is providing an answer to that question. Why is it government doesn't do anything? Well, it doesn't have the ability anymore. He's saying that Democrats have taken that ability away. And let me play this piece of the cut once again. Wait a sec, push a button. Liberalism's failure to build enough has both like made its goals often unachievable. Has and he's referring here to infrastructure. That they're they've got mm-hmm. this big commitment and talk all the time and fundraise all the time. Like Ned with, you know, wanting to do the the um, the tolls a couple of years ago, and and they're always pushing the construction of infrastructure. And I think in part because they love government being big and taking a lot of money, but they also like to funnel that money to certain special interest groups who yeah, are aligned with them. union. Union jobs, union consult. I mean, they're, yeah. they're buddies that are consultants and engineers. I mean, every dollar gets cut up about, you know, 90 cents if it makes its way to somebody close to the administration by the time it's done. So he's couching this criticism in the, the backdrop of it is that that liberalism promises so much but can't do it anymore. Has both, like, made its goals often unachievable, has worsened inequality, and has made the right wing stronger. So I, I really think trying to understand what has gone wrong in the way liberals run government and trying to think about what lessons and what kind of lenses can be taken out of it such that people can begin to fix that and begin to turn the dials in the other direction. My basic view is that like, it's a bias against getting things done, a bias towards inaction over action, operating at a million different levels and decision-making vectors and nodes. And you kind of just got to figure out how to create a, a perspective that turns it back on all of those simultaneously because people start looking at the problem to be solved as can government deliver the things it says it will deliver. But I think government's moved well past whatever Ezra is talking about. And I want to get you to comment on this, George. I feel that in the state of Connecticut with long-term liberal control, they keep running around saying all of the same things and making all the same arguments. For example, everybody knows the argument from the left. Oh, there's just isn't enough money in the schools. Well, it doesn't matter how much it gets doubled or tripled through the decades. There's never enough money in schools. Well, why not? Well, because they, they've locked up all the money in schemes of... Uh, wealth transfer that don't make their way into the classroom and don't benefit children. So respond to that, because I think this is a Connecticut problem he's talking about. Yeah, and, and I, I look at it, and you've done entire segments and interviews with people on this, you know, the underserved communities. I mean, it's, I mean, it's been 80 years of Democratic rule, 60, 70 years in some of these cities. I mean, if they're still underserved at this point, um, <laughs> who's doing the underserving? Or the right. la- you know, who isn't serving enough? Um, you know, and... Uh, I think that it's gotten to a point where, and this may just be the world you live in where everything is poll tested and, and Q group tested. And the idea is that it doesn't matter what the truth is. It's just however you can spin it to get that thing passed, to get that political win. And you can look at a lot of different things. I mean, in terms of government going through a whole process and then just not doing it, you know, I don't think we have any idea on what level that may be. You know, it made me think when I listened to that quote, remember back a couple months into COVID 
And the state of Connecticut was purchasing the old Sam's Club in Manchester, this mm. million square foot or whatever it was, yes. standalone big box building. They well, that was just going to be for a warehouse, right? That was just for like a warehouse to hold PPE or something. I mean, I, there was a different answer. I, it never really made sense as to what it was for. But they actually went through a bonding commission where the bonding commission approved the purchase of that building to go forward. They gave the money to go into that. Well, guess what? The state never bought the building. I think there may have been one article that came out that said that, 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 you know, who, who ended up buying it in the end. But the idea is, where did that bonding commission money go? That money's supposed to go to a very specific thing. And, and that's just one random building in Manchester from three years ago. You know, so you're suggesting that they were halfway down the road on that and that the certain, certain mechanisms had been triggered to cause the funding to take place and then they didn't buy the building. So where's the money you want to know? So where's the money? Right? I mean, where did it go? Does it go back to the general fund? Does it go to something along the same lines? I mean, Have you I, asked I anyone yet? It's, I mean, I, I've tried calling that administration, you know, about, I think I have 30 emails I could pull up if I had to, and they, have, they don't get back to anything, which is why I just ask questions now. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get the answers from these guys, so I'll just keep asking questions, and hopefully eventually somebody will ask that they can get to them. Yeah, but that's kind um, of breaking news all by itself. If, if somebody yeah. trying to report on the most rudimentary functionality of government can't get anybody in government to talk to them, what does that say? And I should say, I actually talked to a couple of the, the real estate commercial brokers that were involved, so that's how I know about the deal. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get it from, from the administration as to why the state didn't buy. And, you know, you can't take, you know, the states, you can't take a broker for, you know, necessarily as, as confirmation for where the state was. But suppose the deal just, as far as... Well, if the deal had finished, we would have heard about it finishing. Oh, you would think so. There'd be press conferences there with a bunch of boxes of PPE in the background. Yeah, um, they do some groundbreaking for renovations. Yeah. They'd be moving along. Yeah, and it's uh, and there was another deal. Somebody else bought it. I mean, it, it may even be open at this point. It was it was it was purchased a year ago. I know uh, the deal was finalized. I think, but that's just one example. You know, I, I mean, you look at what they say. You know, there's supposed to be all this money from gambling now. Online gambling is supposed to go to problem gambling. Um, you know, it usually goes to it for about three months, so you can get a few news stories in, and then year after year, it ends up being less and less and less. Um, and so I think it's gotten to a point where everybody just expects this of government. I don't think anybody expects them to tell us the truth. And that's where I think this is is the scariest part of all this, is that we're at a point where we know they're not being honest, but who cares? You know what I mean? Like, no, it's just like, all right, move on. Uh, I mean, there was an article about, you know, when Trump was first elected, where everybody was going crazy about the president and they're not being honest and they're making things up and blah, blah, blah. And they basically interviewed some people who lived in the USSR in the 1970s, and they said it was the same thing there. You knew everything that came out of the government wasn't real, but you just kind of went along your day, and if you didn't bother them, they didn't bother you. Well, that, that works, George, until we have here. That, gets, that gets you down some paths. But when you get into bad times, when you get into where we are now, where the basic things you depend on to get through your days are starting to fall apart, like inflation makes life certainly if it wasn't unaffordable before if it was just a nagging kind of uh, little pebble in your shoe problem with affordability before now it's acute for a large swath of the population because of inflation so that changes that dynamic that you're talking about now the thing that you could live with you can't live with anymore well, and you also saw it again during COVID. I mean, every Ponzi scheme eventually has something that takes it down. And I'm not saying government's a Ponzi scheme, but the idea is all of a sudden you, you, can do it, you can do it for a while until you can't. 
But if you look at, you know, what the government would, would have been responsible for over the last few years, what the government would actually be responsible for to try to keep people safe in COVID. One was they probably would have been responsible for making sure there was PPE in the state for the whole first wave, which Governor Lamont could not bring in. Mm-hmm. You probably would have made sure that there would have been testing or some sort of testing, which according to the governor, there wasn't testing until May 23rd when the comptroller signed, signed some contracts. So we missed testing for the whole first wave. If you think about government unemployment, right, the government shut down 800,000 people overnight and it takes them three months to get an unemployment check. Right. I mean, these are the things that government, that people, no matter what. <laughs> Wait, those were the lucky ones, George. Check. Yes, they got, they got, they actually got the check. <laughs> it is. By I mean, the way, you yeah. caught yourself on saying government is a Ponzi scheme. It is a Ponzi scheme. Where else do the people get scammed for tons and tons of money to pay for services they're buying at exorbitant rates negotiated by <laughs> their elected representatives who then go back to the people to get the money to pay for the fact that they never put the money away to finance those payments. You know, that, that is the definition of a Ponzi scheme. A Ponzi scheme. Well, I mean, look at the, I mean, look a week from now, the state of Connecticut is going to be at $8 billion in surplus reserves, 8 billion with a B. We've heard over and over and over about the historic tax cuts of 600 million that's coming back that's <laughs> yes. 8% it's 8% of the we have been historically overtaxed if we are at 8 billion in budget reserves 2 years into a pandemic we have been either historically overtaxed or it's completely federal bailout money and of course the administration just keeps on saying how it was it was fiscal responsibility. It was, it was us. It was because of what we did and the hard decisions we made. Well, if, if that's the case, then we were historically overtaxed, and you're giving us 8% back and 25 cents a gallon on $6 gas. Well, except and, that the, uh, you know, the economy's collapsing. We're going into recession next year, and we will not have money to pay bills on a uh, cash flow basis anymore. No. We'll be, we'll be diving into that debt again, and it, we're back in trouble. George Cauley is our guest, gcauley.com. After a break, we will continue the conversation with George on WTIC. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. George Cauley is here, gcauley.com. Can I, can I surprise you with something that I didn't Absolutely. tell you I wanted to talk about? Of course. C- Chris Murphy, nine years ago. Um, no gun law in the world is going to stop somebody from picking up a firearm and doing something dumb with it. And so, like at some, like at some level, I had a lot of my friends in Congress who think you can solve all this stuff with gun laws. You cannot. Were you surprised when this popped up a few weeks ago? Uh, d- doesn't the truth feel good to hear sometimes from a politician? Well, tell me because I wasn't great. here then. Was does everyone know that Chris Murphy used to be pro-gun and pro-Second Amendment? Well, I think certainly when he was running as a congressman in the 5th District of Connecticut, which is the north, the, uh, you know, in the, uh, the northwest corner, you, you, you couldn't be anti-gun. Um, you know, if you remember in Newtown, you know, the, the, the Sports Shoot, Shooters Foundation, and excuse me if I, if, I, if I pronounce that wrong, but one of the, basically the number two gun lobbying group in the country was, was in Newtown. It still is, I believe. It certainly was when, when the shooting happened. Um, 
So I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. And, and Chris Murphy, I will say about this, I mean, he has been consistent on guns since Sandy Hook. He was the congressman about to become the senator, you know, a month later. Yes, but this um, was after he's in the Senate. And that was after. This is 2013, I, February of 20, I'm sorry, is right. that the right year? 2013? Yeah, 2013, so that would have been two months after Sandy Hook. Right, um, and right after been, he got into the U.S. Senate, and he's holding a town hall then, talking like with this utter conviction you cannot change a law and make any of this go away you cannot he said so sometime between then and now he's gone through a transformation and the part of it i find appalling is that nobody in the national media or even in the state seems interested in telling the story and calling up chris murphy i tried but he doesn't respond to us but certainly newspaper people could have him tell the story of how he was so sure then compared to how sure he is now i mean i think of when i was on tic i think we did a few whole shows on this he was running around with the squad in washington a year ago that's right with all kind of the woke legislation trying to get cops out of schools I mean, I remember at this point, and I probably should check with her before I say too much about the conversation, but I, I'm still friends with, with the daughter of the, the Sandy Hook principal. Mm-hmm. And with Chris Murphy, who she has been the face of this. I mean, she has been absolutely you know, the face of the Bloomberg gun group. She introduced Hillary Clinton um, at the 2016 convention. I mean, she has run around with Chris Murphy right up to this week still. But I remember saying, Chris Murphy wants to take cops out of schools. Like, who was the first responder at Sandy Hook? And it was her mom. And the idea is that, that the principal shouldn't be the first person responding to, 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 to a sure. gunman shooting through the school. And the fact that, that Chris got, was allowed, the senator was supposed to be, allowed it to be, to, that he was allowed to be swayed so much politically for whatever it would have been at that point with the woke left and, and, and some, of the, some of the things that they were pushing, that he would forget that. That he would forget the person that he's running around this week depending on to sell this gun bill to be the face of it to Republican senators, that he wants to pull cops out of school so more people like her mother will be the first responder to a gunman. But I just I want to bring it back to the reporting part since we started out there and kind of complete the circle here. How what is the condition of the media, both in the state and nationally? Because I've pitched this to people I know in national media, including the Newsmax which you yeah. would think would love this, a conservative website that I appear on from time to time. And, and they're not interested. And the, yeah, I pitched it for a segment I did this past Saturday, and they said they were going to do it, and they, they sandbagged me with a, a cut from uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez instead. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why isn't this a glorious story for everybody who isn't yeah. in the bag of the left? It's a great question. I mean, a lot of times media won't look two weeks back. You know, they're, they're, they're doing a minute and a half news story on television from that day. But, man, that 10-second clip right there, I mean, that, that's, yes, that's but, classic. Man well, because Chris right Murphy, Chris Murphy, it seems to me, has been waiting for years for the next Sandy Hook to happen so that he could use it to create a national stage for himself. And for him to be the spokesman of another horrible event like Sandy Hook, this Uvalde shooting. And I think he had it all worked out in his mind what he was going to do. And he executed it beautifully. And he's become a big national political star. It's, I mean, certainly on this issue. Um, and, I mean, it seems to be a question that you would ask. 
right? I mean, you know, you, how, and, and, and it doesn't have to be a contentious question to Christmas. No, it's just how, has your, how, how were you so sure back involved? then? Yeah, and now you're so sure of the opposite. How did that happen? You know, it's the one thing, too. I mean, I just, with guns, and I, I've been to a lot of different gun shootings, but when there's a shooting at a school or at a movie theater or at a church, everyone wants to take away every gun and take away every bullet. When there's a terrorist attack, everybody wants to get armed to the tilt and put surveillance, <laughs> you know, in every corner. And so I think that that's something, you know, thank God we haven't dealt with the terror attack here, you know, in, 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 in a while. But the idea is these things change. And if there's one thing that I've learned with guns, and I can understand both sides of it very well, um, is that nothing is more important to people than their own personal security and the personal mm-hmm. security of their friends and family. And there are those, if you've been assaulted or mugged or held up, you may not want to leave your house without a gun ever again. If you've had a loved one shot or killed or, 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 or you know what, you want to take every gun off the street. And kind of like abortion, depending on where your own personal experience is, I don't think you're going to change many people on it. And so I think that is, a, to come back to your question about Murphy, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's hard to have that much of a change in something that I think is so personal to so many people. So if I get to, if I could ever get to him ask him a question, Todd, I'll ask him that. I mean, I, I promise you, I'll send you, I'll send you the, the clip and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and we'll get that answer. I mean, he, Chris Murphy, I will say this, and I haven't reached out to him in a while. He was always pretty good about getting back to me. I mean, he was somebody who wasn't necessarily insulted by the question. You know, he, he was an adult. I, I interviewed him a lot when I was in Washington. Well, as a matter of fact, that's one of the things. I watched a, a substantial amount of time of this, uh, the tape on YouTube of this mm-hmm. the town hall he held in 2013, and it was fascinating to hear a United States senator talk about complex and volatile issues thoughtfully with a little bit of himself on every side of it. We've got to wrap up. George Colley, gcauley.com. Thank you for being here, sir. It's great uh, to talk Thank you with so you. much. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.